The Vikings shocked the world. 22-17 win over the Niners on primetime. They moved to 3-4. and four. We're breaking it all down. It's coming up next on the Locked On Vikings post game. You are Locked On Vikings Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Vikings stunned the Niners primetime Monday night football showdown. We're here to break it all down with another Minnesota Vikings postcast right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. We got the full four-man crew today. Myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's Ron Johnson. He's on X at three Ron Johnson, host of the Ron Johnson Show right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. Luke Braun, host of Locked On Vikings each and every day. He's on X at Luke Braun NFL. Of course, we got the captain over there, Sam Ekstrom, host of the Minnesota Football Party every Monday and Thursday. He's on X at Sam Ekstrom. Before we jump into it, fellas, quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, boys, you just never know what you're going to get with this team, especially with Kirk <laughs> Cousins and prime time. Ron, let's start with you. They can beat you're anyone. There. <laughs> That's right. You're they can there lose to anyone. Site. They can beat anyone. <laughs> That's right. Ron's at the bank right now, live as we speak. Vikes needed this one, though, Ron, in the worst way. Backs against the wall, two and four record, all while missing their best player in Justin Jefferson. Give us your top two or three takeaways as you sat and watched this one unfold. Well, early on, I mean, I, I tweeted on the Vikings, or sorry, the Vikings tweeted for me. Uh, we do a deal with Minnesota Lottery, and I picked Jordan Addison to be my lottery player of the week. I just felt like he was primed to have a big game, and Kirk Cousins early on went to him. This is a guy that literally, if you play back all the plays, could have had four touchdowns. The one, because and again, I, at the game, I couldn't see it the way people are saying it on TV and so on and so forth. They said, it looks like Jordan Addison might have throttled down a little bit. He should have kept running all the way across the field. Kirk Cousins threw a hot pepper. And he missed it. So if he keeps running, maybe that's touchdown three. And then the fade route, he gets interfered with. That could have been four. There's the they do a out route to him or a, a screen route. He could have broke through that one for another touchdown opportunity. So this is a guy that they're trying to feed the ball. And with a game like this, 124 yards, it's just scary to think if Justin Jefferson were still playing right now with Jordan Asin having an emergency. Maybe this is the best thing that's ever happened to the Vikings. Not to say Justin Jefferson's injury. But seeing how good Jordan Addison really is, because now these two be, can be can become a true one-two punch. Other than that, I mean, Brock Purdy, the, the, the name of the game was Ben, but don't break. And I think the Vikings defense did a great job of it. They gave up 272 yards to him, but they didn't break. They only gave up one big play to Christian McCaffrey. Hey, it happens. But at the end of the day, they did just enough, which can bind them twice. Because last, I don't know if it was last week or week before last, but he mistimed his jump and they make the catch. Today, he timed it up, ended the game with a great interception. Cam Bynum, maybe the breakout defensive player of the year thus far. Jordan Addison, you mentioned it, seven for a buck, 24, two touchdowns. And they showed the graphic up there on TV, all the stud Viking wide receivers to ball out on Monday night. Moss, JJ, now Jordan Addison. Uh, Luke, kind of same question to start, though. What were your one or two big takeaways from the Vikings? And the way they came out, and punched arguably the toughest team in the league right now in the mouth right from the get-go. Yeah, my opinion on the 49ers is unchanged, and it is that they are the best team in the NFL, and the Vikings just came out and beat it. They rose to that challenge. And part of what makes the 49ers good is just how sound they are at everything, how much they punish your mistakes. 
Um, and, and even small mistakes. And you see it basically any time Brock Purdy would hit something over the middle of the field. You can see just and eh, maybe a little bit imprecise with a zone drop or just a little bit late to break on something. It was always something. You know, it's a, a little thing that they are good enough to punish. That's what makes them a good team. And the story of the game has to be that the Vikings didn't make enough little mistakes for the 49ers to get get going. That is the headline to me. It was the cl the clean sound game, the vision of the Vikings that we all could see and go, gosh, if they just, you know, if they just chill out on the turnovers, if they can just, you know, kind of get the little things down, they look at how good of a team they can be. They they finally realized that, and a huge part of that is is Kirk Cousins. Is is this the best Kirk Cousins game of of his time as a Viking? I feel like it's immediately like top it. three. We gotta ask it because that was I gotta ask it because oh my god, he left his body. I mean, he, he was unconscious in this game. He was sidearming them. He was throwing fadeaway jumpers that were all of those throws were safe, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times when quarterbacks try to do off-platform crazy stuff, that that's when you start to invite defenders into the play, but they were all safe. That's so hard. <laughs> that's so hard and, to do. And the one time he, he needed a little help, Jordan Addison gave it to him because that that's throw right. for the second touchdown, little oh, behind yeah, that him, was a disaster. <laughs> interceptable ball. Jordan Addison bails him out, and, and Kirk oh seemed propelled by that because his second half was insane. Eight of thirteen on third downs. Third down production was was so enjoyable, especially to after watch. coming off that Chicago game too, where they squeaked by. But the third down production specifically was horribly in that game. Yeah. But Luke, Luke Braun, I got a quick question for you. Gut reaction right after the game's over. You just said the 49ers are the best team in your mind still in the NFC. If you were to look at the Eagles, so you're putting them ahead of the Eagles, but if the Vikings beat so, the 49ers, yeah. if the do you say because I know the Vikings aren't better than the Eagles, I'm not going to be dumb, but would you say the Vikings now in your mind are potentially better than the Cowboys, Seahawks, and then the Falcons and Buccaneers? So I haven't watched the Seahawks. I don't think I've watched a single Seahawks game, so I can't really speak to them. Cowboys feels close. They feel like that same kind of inconsistent. Mm -hmm. Well, I hey, would the say Niners, yes to the, the Buccaneers. Beat the I think Cowboys they uh, by thirty-two. By thirty-two, yeah. the Niners beat the Cowboys. Like the Cowboys have some stinker in them. Um, the Bucks. I think the Vikings outplayed the Bucks in their loss to them. They just turned the ball over a whole bunch. Um, like they outgained them by a whole bunch. Like so, I think that that's a re reasonably easy argument to make. And then what was the other team you said? Falcons. Falcons are lead. So oh. basically what I'm looking I, I at. I haven't is, watched the Falcons game either. So I, I can't speak to the Falcons it, or the Seahawks. I won't talk about teams I haven't watched. No, and, and, and this is my point. I, I personally, and maybe this is just adrenaline from being at the game, watching them like go to battle with the 49ers. And I bought this up. I think I said this. I don't know what show I said this on, Sam, but you remember. I said somebody has to be willing to fight with the 49ers. And finally, at the end of the game, mm -hmm. you see the Vikings team rally around <laughs> and fight the 49ers. I think that was yeah. it. Now, Trent, Trent Williams wasn't in uniform, so maybe the fight turns out a little differently. But that's that's the key is like that ability to fight, punch, kick, all that kind of stuff they were doing. And I mean, we'll talk about this at some point in the show, but Dalton Reisner, like mm. where, where does this yeah. leave yep. Ezra Cleveland yeah. and, and Ed Ingram? Because I mean, Kirk Cousins hey, did not get sacked tonight. Where was Nick Bosa tonight? I mean, that line shut shut him down. He got a couple yeah, of TFLs. Uh, they, I mean, caked him a few times. Uh, that'll be fun. Reisner, looked like Reisner was, was phenomenal. Reisner was yeah. phenomenal. The Absolutely entire offensive excellent. line was the phenomenal. The whole line was great, yeah. 
Yeah, let, Sam, let's go to you here. Kirk Cousins heading in 11-19 and 19 in primetime, 2-10 and 10 on Monday Night Football, starts a new winning streak of his own. But surely, just coming in, seven-point spread against a 5-1 and one team that were Super Bowl favorites in the NFC, and they're coming off their first loss. They're hungry to get back into the win column. Surely, this would be no contest tonight, right? Wrong. So, <laughs> Sam, again, we'll dive into the offense and defense a little bit more deeper, but just your big-picture overview now, what does a win like this do for this team and this fan base as well now knocking off one of the best teams in the NFL? Yeah, season's back on. I mean, I know there's a contingent that would prefer the Vikings just tank this thing and get Caleb Williams and trade everybody, and, and you can think that that's fine. But for the rest of, rest of everybody, the season is back. I mean, you can be 500 at the trade deadline and rethink what you might have done then. Uh, you can go into a very forgiving section of your schedule. And by the way, you go to a reeling Green Bay team mm-hmm. in second place with a chance to like send Green Bay absolutely spiraling if you beat them next week. But you have now stolen a game that you probably did not have winning on paper. This makes up for, say, losing at Philadelphia. You've got one in the bank now, and you've got a little margin for error. Like, I think our path for the Vikings was like rattle off six in a row after the San Francisco game. And that, that was how we thought they'd get to eight wins. Well, now you've got one in your back pocket. You've got this win. So if you do slip up down the road, it might not kill you. Um, but now they're one away from being a 500 team. And once you're 500 at the midway point of the season, that can be a launching point. And Justin Jefferson comes back in two more weeks. So it, it's back on if you want it to be. I mean, this team is right now in the mix. It's funny how one win can change so many things, and I know it's early, but everybody, just after this victory tonight, circling those last three games, Detroit, Green Bay, Detroit mm-hmm. to end the year, uh, such a roller coaster. You couldn't ask for a better primetime game in front of a national crowd to watch. Let's kind of break this one down into two halves just real quick and shout anything out that uh, maybe you, you, you notes, news, observations, but... My quick notes, Madison starts the game with that 19-yard explosion, something we haven't seen all year. I thought the run game Not did 20 just plus yet, though. <laughs> enough. No, still can't break that 20-yard, but 19 still. We'll take it. The run game did just oh, yeah. enough against just a nasty front seven Niners. Um, they throw the interception, 50-50 ball to Addison. We'll get back to him in a second, obviously. Defense, though, forced a huge fumble when San Francisco was about to score inside the 10. All in all, San Fran in the first half, had a turnover inside the 10, missed a field goal. That's 10 potential points off the board. The offense come back and answers with that 10-play, 90-yard touchdown drive that ends with Addison in the corner. The Vikings defense, guys, held this Niners offense. I get it. Without Debo, without Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, Hobble, I don't care. Niners offense, zero points for the first 29 minutes of this game. So huge props to them. But the big thing for me, of that first half was KOC calling the timeouts when San Francisco was down at the goal line and gave the offense an opportunity Mm -hmm. to get the ball back with a minute left in which obviously Jordan Addison makes the play of the game, takes a 60 yard pass to the house with seven seconds left before the half. So I guess, Ron, what do you remember about the first half? They came out kind of quieted the San Francisco sideline, but also how do you think KOC called this game tonight? If you were give them a grade, well, I mean, the one thing I always said was they have to find a way to get more plays. I think I said that last week. Yeah. You have to get more plays, more offensive plays. And what did he do? He went hurry, hurry, hurry. Um, I said that I think that Akers has earned the right. I don't think Madison lost the right, but I think Akers earned the right, which we saw today. He he looked just as explosive. I think these two together, um, 
which I heard Troy Aikman say uh, he thinks that, you know, Cam Akers down the stretch will be back RB1. I think this still needs to be a two-headed monster, running back by committee type of play, but I think it needs to be more even and versus, hey, Madison, you're in, you're in, you're in. Hey, Akers, go get you one. I even like the addition of of, uh, of uh, Ty Chandler, like seeing him come in. He was just a different pace. He was mm-hmm. a different speed. Yep. Um, I think that that the throwback pass that was actual BS when you look at the the what they called ah, uh, blocking yeah. down the field, he mm-hmm. actually didn't start blocking until the DB attacked him, which he's allowed to do. The DB like tried to run through him, and then he engaged him. Oh. He did not engage the DB first, and so that's why to me that's BS because you have to watch. Like he's not blocking; he's defending himself because the guy who tries to run through his mm-hmm. face. Um, because he sees the ball being thrown, which is not a penalty. But anyway, um, I like those three backs all getting a chance. I don't think Madison's ever going to replace Dalvin Cook. I think we can let that dream die. But I do think that, you know, seeing the 19-yard run today, Kevin O'Connell stuck by it. But the big key for me was the tempo. He got to the line of scrimmage faster. I, I noticed a couple of times, I think I, I noted like five or six times, Kirk Cousins was at the line with 22 seconds. So it means he had a lot of time to can, can, mm-hmm. can, or see a play and move a guy, motion a guy, get an idea of what the coverage is going to be. Get TJ Hawkinson just to motion, just a half second, just to see, okay, yep, it's zone. And then he knows his plays. And then Kirk Cousins, honestly, stepping up in the pocket like Houdini at times where I was like, oh, this is a sack. And then he comes out like the play oh, at the very God, end. Oh, God, that one to Powell, uh, yeah, I think on the, the crosser. How did he sidearm? I was like, I don't know how he got through there, but Kirk Cousins did a great job of stepping up in the pocket. Um, and, and so I think it was just key. And, and, and honestly, it was loud the entire game, even when the Vikings had, the, I don't know if the TV, if you guys could hear it, oh, but yeah. every well, time the Vikings got the red. close, <laughs> it was loud. And you saw the Vikings offensive line doing this, not realizing, Hey, that's not your people. That's, mm-hmm. that's them trying to stop you guys from hearing what the coach is saying. So Kirk Cousins even fought through that, you know, like he didn't, he just realized, you know, what, I can't keep doing this. It's going to be loud. And I think Kevin O'Connell must have said something because they never did it again after that one time. You never saw another guy say shush because the 49ers were loud. So they overcame a lot today. But to me, honestly, like I I, I was shocked after that first drive for the touchdown. That's when I was like, OK, this this is going to be a game because normally we had talked about the first 15 plays. And I think we talked about it, Sam, on the on the round table. We talked about it when I came on your guys show on uh, the, the football party. The first 15 plays have been great last year. The first drive had been great last year. This year, not so great. But today, he was on point. So hopefully this is a sign of things to come where he's going to motion, move guys around. And maybe not having Justin Jefferson forced him to do even more this week. Yeah, total team win today. You mentioned mm-hmm. Ty Chandler getting in the minx. Kane was back on kickoffs. Tristan Jackson had to come in. He made a big catch late in the second half there as well. Dalton Reisner, obviously, we'll touch on him. But just a total team effort today, and it just makes it a little bit more satisfying when such a big name and superstars out like Justin Jefferson. Uh, real quick, Luke, you mentioned at the top, was this Kirk Cousins' best game quarterbacking this offense in a Viking uniform, and or was this KOC's best best game as a Vikings head coach. I don't know about best game as a head coach, KOC's best game as a head coach. I don't know about that or not. I I guess I'd have to look more about like what they were trying to do downfield and how much sense it made. But um, I mean, I don't know. This one is just insane from Kirk cousins in so many ways. The, the accuracy, the ability to create an imperfect situations, like Ron mentioned, like just Houdini is way out of sacks and just finding even little stuff like a, a fadeaway jumper to, uh, 
or like a, a little fadeaway flip to Josh Oliver for three yards on first and 10. Okay. Now it's second and seven. Like that's getting something out of what should be broken. And in other types of games, uh, from, from Kirk. I mean, that's a sack. How often is that kind of thing a sack or worse, right? Some kind of ridiculous fumble disaster. Um, it, it, every year it feels like he puts out one or two of these where it's like, man, if we could just get 17 of those, we would win every Super Bowl. Like if you could just get him to play like that 17 times in the, in the, like that's, and you go, okay, that's what the Wilfs are seeing, right? That's what Quasey's seeing. That's what Rick Spielman saw is man. If you could just get that but consistently, and you can see it, it's there. He's capable. String a few of these together. Hey, maybe we can. Schedule is now perhaps amenable to that. And amazing that it started with an absolute clunker of an interception, and not his worst interception ever, but, you know, contested ball. Addison can't wrestle it away, and so often we see Kirk's worst efforts begin that way, and then it spirals from there. But Kirk's got a little bounce-back ability to him. I mean, we've seen him before. Like, if you look at his response after the Chicago performance. I mean, that's, that's really impressive to come back with what we saw tonight from what we saw last week. And I feel like we've seen that throughout his career where it looks like he's shrinking into his Kirk shell and then he just explodes. And I don't know if it was the 22 points is what holds me back from saying it's his best ever because you still got to finish the sure. deal on a few of the, yeah, throws like the 2019 the Eagles game or like Most, one of those 2019 yeah. games where they hang 40 on him. Yeah. More points on the board, but um, his poise on third down 35 minutes time of possession. Um, that's gigantic against the 49ers. And you saw how fast they can strike when it was 19 seven. Uh, you settled for three. They scored right away and you just felt like, okay, this is it. You know, the tide's turning. Um, but for the Vikings to extend drives, even disappointing field goal drives, uh, that was that was a pretty impressive performance by Kirk. Yeah, three-play drive by the Niners, under a minute, 75 yards, and all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, no, here we go. I want to dive into the defensive performances a little bit more in depth and then the schedule moving forward. But first, let's get a quick word in from our sponsor. Guys, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week, and he's doing it all season long. Whether you're in an in-season draft format need help drafting your team, whether you're looking for help in your best ball league, or if you just need help scouting the weekly waiver wire, Vinny and eBay Motors are here to help you find the players that fit your lineup each and every week with eBay's guaranteed fit fantasy picks of the week. I just so happen to have one of their fits of week eight to help give you an edge over your opponents. It's Texans quarterback, C.J. Stroud. This guy's been an absolute diamond in the rough this year. He's been one of the most efficient fantasy quarterbacks of the 2023 season, despite being a quarterback on a, a, a really a team that's in rebuild mode for the Texans. Stroud's averaged 277 yards through the air, and this week he's got a juicy matchup versus a Panthers defense that has struggled stopping the passing game. If he's still out on the waivers, scooping up now before it's too late, or if he's already rostered, now's the time to buy low. Offer a trade before he goes off this week, coming off a buy versus Carolina. C.J. Stroud, that's an official eBay Motors guaranteed fantasy football fit of Week 8, and it's all thanks to Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football, who's going to help you win your fantasy football championship. And eBay Motors, who knows every championship team, is about each player being a perfect fit. Well, same goes for your vehicle. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly because they got everything you need. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, now you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, guys. When Brian Flores has had the most success this year, you think back. It's been rattling, kind of harassing young quarterbacks. Most recently, at Justin Fields last week. Bryce Young earlier versus Carolina. Brock Purdy, though, been virtually unflappable his entire career. You know, the last season and a half. How would you grade his performance tonight against a young quarterback, but arguably the best offense they've faced all year? Sam, let's start with you. Yeah, so there was a point during the broadcast where they quoted Purdy's stats against the Blitz. Don't know where he finished in that regard. But at one point, he was something like 9 of 10 against the Blitz and was very poised. And it felt like in the second half, they actually dropped in coverage a little bit more. Um, They got their final interception for sure on, I think, a three-man rush. Can't remember the first interception, but they they kept things in front. They didn't want to – I was honestly worried. I was worried that Flores was going to get caught in a zero blitz on the final drive for the loss. That was my greatest fear. But they played coverage and it worked out. Um, I thought the defense did a really nice job containing the running game. Yes, McCaffrey did make a little bit of noise, had the t- had two touchdowns, obviously, but they kept him in check. Um, they made some really good plays at the catch point. They hit guys hard. They were physical. Um and obviously got to Purdy a couple times as well. So I've got very few nitpicks with this defense, which this is the sneaky angle on the Vikings right now, guys. This defense is coming together. That's three out of four games. And even the Chiefs effort wasn't bad, where they have been very sharp and aggressive and opportunistic. And I I think that we could be seeing the X factor. Like if this team gets back in the race, having an offense that plays like that and a defense that plays like that, man, that could be a winning formula. Uh, Ron, like Sam said, we got seven-week sample size now of this new Brian Flores defense. What's your evaluation through seven games now? What part of the game kind of took the next step tonight? Just your biggest news, notes, observations you saw from the defense today versus the Shanahan offense. Yeah, I, 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 the one thing I will say is the defense, and if you notice on the on the back end, a lot of times Josh Metellus and Harrison Smith were having a ton of conversations pre-snap. Mm-hmm. So they were mm-hmm. – doing a ton of moving you saw I love the fact that on third down I don't like it because you can get burned um if if guys get out of their lanes but the standing up nobody had their hand in the ground so the offensive line never really knew who was coming sometimes it works sometimes it just they rush three and you're like why are you only rushing three but then you see the Cam Bynum interception you see the uh the Josh Metellus um pass breakup you see the Harrison Smith big pass breakup so what I, what I noticed about Brian Flores is, I mean, honestly, calling a defense, you're gambling every time. You're just saying, I hope yeah. I'm in the right coverage. I hope they don't have the right play call. That's what people forget. It's a chess match between you and the offensive coordinator. And to go up against the San Francisco 49ers offense that everybody is scared of and a system quarterback, and this system is unstoppable. I think Luke said it. Like, you see a ton of guys streaking down the middle, and you're like, oh, crap, who's covering this guy? And then you see Brian Flores learn from it. Like, hey, okay, hey, if George Kittle's going to go up the scene, they're going to have something coming underneath going on a crosser. And so the guys started to kind of get comfortable with it down the stretch. And they didn't get hit with any other huge plays. And I think that's the other key. The 49ers feast 
off of zero coverage and they make you pay for it. And today they really didn't give him a chance to. The guys were always kind of in position. And I mean, Byron Murphy, he did have a couple holds, but he played pretty, pretty solid. Like there was mm-hmm. nothing about his game today that made you think like this guy's overmatched. And same with Caleb Evans, same thing. He's right there. He's making plays. So from the back end, I think those guys all kind of understand what Brian's trying to get out of this defense. And, and Luke, with Marcus Davenport out, the burden kind of fell onto Daniil Hunter's shoulders to carry the load. He's obviously been superb this season thus far. League high, eight sacks, 11 tackles for loss coming in. You kind of smelt blood in the water a little bit tonight, knowing San Fran would be out with, without their all-pro left tackle, Trent Williams. Um, Hunter had the only sack tonight, but it, I can't wait mm-hmm. to see the pressure numbers because it felt like they were – kind of forcing Purdy into some quick out. decisions. Yeah. yeah. Daniil, by the way, passes Everson Griffin for seventh all-time on the Vikings' all-time sack list. How important is this guy? How great was he tonight? How important is he to the defense? And just, I guess, knowing how critical he is to making this engine go, how much of a catalyst is he if you were KOC or even Quasi, How badly do you want to bring this guy back next year? I mean, I have been pounding the table for it for like three years just yeah, lock this dude up i want he yeah. needs to retire a viking i think yeah. if he doesn't that's that's a huge mistake I, it's really funny seeing you know people who cover other teams and national people who just think that you can just like flip the vikings a third round pick and get this dude are you kidding me this dude is probably the most important guy on the defense uh it, there, there is no replacing him there's no just kind of ah we'll live without daniel hunter no i don't think this thing functions at all without Daniel Hunter and without multiple people who can win on one-on-ones. And we've seen, saw that in other games when you don't have uh, multiple people who can do that. Um, but Hey, you know, credit as well to DJ Wanham who had a huge TFL and like a, a really big moment and credit to some of the other guys getting through Jonathan Bullard. I thought had a really, really nice. Jaquel and Roy popped in a few times. Jaquel and well. Roy. Yeah. Um, all three of the big guys active tonight. I thought, I, I think, um, which is a first. They usually have one of Roy or Tonga on the inactive list. Um, and that might have helped them because I they were in base a lot to, to try to stymie that 49er running game, just flatten things out and try to get a gap back and just, you know, load things up. Um, it, it was a, a, a really interesting game plan for a fascinating offense that's so hard to decipher. Like I tried to do like a, let's scout the 49ers thing. I came away with some interesting stuff to say about Brock Purdy, but like the, the way that Kyle Shanahan uses motion and uses formations and uses misdirection is just, it's hieroglyphs to me. There is, I cannot decipher it. And it kind of feels like the Vikings did. So credit to him. I've, I've got to make a point on the defense too, real quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Th- think about any of the players on this defense that were also staples in last year's defense, almost player for player. They look better under Brian Flores than Ed Donatel, Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, Jordan Hicks, DJ Wanham, Daniil Hunter. They they all look better in this scheme. Credit Brian Flores for getting the most out of, in some case, veteran guys that didn't seem to take well to the Ed Donatel scheme and look very comfortable in kind of a chaotic, complex defense that Flores is running. Uh, he's got something working here, and people are buying in. Mm-hmm. All right. Can I hit at... you real quick? Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Can I hit you go with ahead. a stat from uh, PFF Brad, uh, yeah. who just took this out of the PFF logs? 15.6% pass rush win rate on first review. Obviously, that is subject to adjustment. That is their lowest for the 49ers in a game since 2017. Wow. Six oh. years. Wow. 
Unbelievable. That's the best an O-line has played against the 49ers since 2017. That's insane. That that might be, despite all the things that happened tonight, that might be the A topic this week. That That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Great stat there. Uh, let's look and at the to, remaining and to schedule. Sta- and to jump yeah, on that, though, one thing before we jump into that, I'm glad you said that, Luke. If you look at time to throw, Kirk Cousins had 2.7 seconds to throw. Brock Purdy had 2.6. So Kirk Cousins' offensive line was better than the 49ers today. And maybe it was Brian Flores going after him a little bit more. But that people are like, oh, that's 0.1 sec. That 0.1 seconds is the difference in Brock Purdy's knee touching the ground. It's the difference yep. in, in Kirk Cousins Game getting of rid of the ball. Like you said, it's 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 that it's that half a second of like, ah, Kirk's holding on to the ball too long. But it's like he got that extra second a couple of times and or that extra point, you know, whatever second. And it made a huge difference when you think about the amount of time we saw Brock Purdy looking like he was running for his life. The other one that was crazy, if you look at this past week, Kirk Cousins, this game, sorry, Kirk Cousins expected completion percentage on the plays called his expected completion percentage was 65%. He was 77.8. Wow. So the receivers, one made the plays, but Kirk stepped up in the pocket. He threw some times where everybody's like, oh, that's a sack. That's supposed to be incomplete. He came out and made the throw. So a lot of that off-schedule stuff that everybody was like, ah, oh, Kirk Cousins doesn't have it. I don't know if it was he he read his own headlines and everybody said primetime Kurt sucks. But tonight he stepped up and he played a great game. Yeah, maybe again, arguably, maybe one of the best games we've seen Kirk play in a Viking uniform. All right, coming up, let's look at the remaining schedule. Four games left before the bye week and what it all looks like right after I tell you about FanDuel Sportsbook. Quick reminder, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Trust me when I say there's no better way to bet on sports than with FanDuel, and there's never been a better time to start wagering than right now because new customers, they're getting $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place just a $5 bet. That's right, $200 in bonus bets no matter what, win or lose, when you place your first bet of just $5. That's 40 times your money for free straight into your account. No gimmicks, no hidden tricks, no fees. You can use those bonus bets on virtually anything this week, including the NFL, MLB playoffs, NHL, even the NBA. They make it as easy as it sounds. Bet five, get 200, simple as that. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on all the action. The app, it's so easy to use, and they got everything you need. From money lines, parlays, prop bets, you name it, they got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet in the entire college football season, including the national championship, by the way. Right now, they got Michigan and Georgia both at plus 270. Bet 10, win 27, cash out 37. Easy money, bada bing, bada boom. Go check it out. See for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sports book. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Couple minutes left here, guys. Let's go rapid fire round the circle. Sam, start with you. One word or less. Does Dalton Reiser snart next week? What do you think? One word or less. Um, no, I know what you mean. Uh, just a blank stare. <laughs> <laughs> less than one. Um, Dalton Reiser was fantastic, but I think Ed Ingram was also pretty good tonight. So it, they obviously are a little bit attached to Ed Ingram. They still believe in him, and he is part of a line. That statistically, as a collective, has been quite good this season, even though Ingram has had his low moments. Um, I personally, I would put him at right guard. I put Reisner at right guard. I think he's still better than Ed Ingram. Um, But I don't think they're going to bench Ezra Cleveland. Cleveland's been pretty good, too. 
Um, so maybe you just have a, a really good swing interior lineman. I, I don't think he does. I'd like him to, though, if it was me. 68 words by Sam Ekstrom. Luke, see if you can beat that. <laughs> uh, if Ezra's healthy, he starts. He's done nothing to lose his job. He's played really well. Um, I don't think Ed Ingram has lost his job either. I, I think it's 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 good to have a good swing interior lineman. That's a nice thing to have. We don't have to try to shake up the chemistry of the unit by making that switch again. Just be happy that we're covered in the exact situation that we're in, which is our guard went down and the O-line can still have a good game. Ron, you laid out the great stats, great offensive line performance tonight. Dalton Reisner in the starting lineup next week. What do you think? Uh, I think so. I think Ezra Cleveland probably, you know, if he can rest up, might as well rest him up. So, yes, I think Edding or sorry, I think Dalton Reisner, yes, I think Edding, yes. And I think Luke brought up a great point, swing, a swing guard. Uh, Ezra Cleveland also is a tackle by trade. He was originally a tackle. He hasn't played a down a tackle in the NFL, though, but he was a tackle. So who knows where his career goes if he, you know, fights back in, if Dalton Reisner is the guy. But I think you after a game like that against a defensive line like that, it's hard to just say, okay, Dalton, we're paying you all this money. Sit down. Like he de- he was known for pass blocking with the Broncos. So, you know, why you're you're a team that wants to pass the ball more than run it. So maybe he is the answer. And Ron, four games until the bye week now. Three of the next four are on the road. Five of the next seven's on the road. They've kind of wasted a lot of opportunities winning at home earlier this year. Now they got to go on the road a lot and take care of business. But here's the look ahead at Green Bay, at Atlanta, Saints at home at Denver game by game here, kind of just the thoughts on the run they could go on now before the bye. I think Justin Jefferson put that up in the national championship game Four. that's four wins. <laughs> I see four wins right there. One, two, three, four. Jameis Winston. I just want to see Jameis Winston eat a W. Like I just, I just want to see. That. <laughs> <Four>. <laughs> I think yeah, they're going Luke, four. thoughts on this final stretch here before the bye. these next four games, as it kind of lightens up a little bit now. Sure does. Uh, the way I approach this, just because of the way my, my schedule is, is there's one game and then there'll be the rest of them. Mm-hmm. It's Packers week now. Let's the let's Packers be with the no and then focus week. on the other ones. Man, you're drinking, I think you're drinking the week. Kirk Kool-Aid. You sound it's like Super Bowl week. Podium. They got the Bears after that, after the Broncos and the Raiders. Like they could go six and zero in the next six games. Yeah, and then, no, and then you're, you're not looking wrong. at a. And it, I mean, now you're looking at a nine and three or nine and four team. I mean, it could happen. We'll see. Well, yeah. Let's see how Jordan Love can handle Brian Flores next week. I mean, that Jordan Love is having a cataclysmic month. Did you like, see Jordan Love handle Russell Wilson? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like Peter no- Bukowski. Peter Bukowski is having a meltdown with the Jordan Love has a strong arm and he's short army or short short. All his pads are landing short or something. Like he has the the biggest number of like passes not reaching. Oh receivers. my god. And and Peter Bukowski and everybody now is baffled. Like he has such a strong arm, I don't know why he's leaving it short. Because he's not accurate. That's why. Okay, there's a take that I had this week. There's a take I had this week. People gave me flack for it, but Jordan Love and Brock Purdy have a lot in common, and we saw exactly why tonight. If you don't want to set your feet, if you're okay with throwing off platform all the time because you think you're the next Aaron Rodgers, which I think both of those guys do, they never set their feet. They always just want to wing that thing off platform. They will start to come up short on you. They'll start to spray on you, and you will throw interceptions to Cam Bynum. Yeah, well said. Last one, rapid fire. Player of the game. Kind of underrated player of the game. Everybody's going to pick Addison. Who's your low-key underrated player of the game? Ron, let's start with you real quick. Sorry, say it again. Low-key player? Yeah, underrated player player of the game, yeah. 
Uh, so he's not underrated, but I'm gonna. I, I was gonna say Cam Bynum, but he clearly stepped up and he's clearly rated. Yeah. Um, as far as underrated, I'm gonna go with a Caleb Evans. Like you, you a Caleb Evans did a great job out there. You saw him come up and support and run support a bunch. Um, there was no, again, there was no big receiver type plays where you felt like, like, what are you doing? The only one I noticed was that down the seam, and I can't remember who, I think it was Ayuk might've called it, but I think that he thought the coverage, I think he thought he had inside help because kind of how he looked and did the like, you know, like what, what happened there. And so other than that, I think Caleb Emmons was under the radar of like, just playing his position and keeping the receivers in front of him. Sam, Luke, save your answer for the Thursday football party. We got to get out of here. That'll do it for us. Follow me on X at Luke underscore Spinman. Ron Johnson, check him out on the Ron Johnson Show on X at 3 Ron Johnson at Luke Ron NFL. Check him out every day on the Locked on Vikings podcast. Sam Ekstrom, host of the Minnesota football party. He's on X at Sam Ekstrom. Vikes move to three and four on the season, win their seventh straight versus the Niners at home, move to 18 and nine on Monday night football when playing at home. For Luke Braun, Ron Johnson, Sam Ekstrom, I'm Luke Inman. Until next time, signing out.